In what has become a cherished annual tradition, each year I visit our local Arbaminim supplier to personally procure a set of Arbaminim to use each day of Sukkot. An Arbaminim set is made up of four species of plants, Lulav, Hadas, Arava and Etrog, and is used in a daily religious ritual during the festival of Sukkot, except on Shabbat. Nowadays, with modern agricultural techniques and the ease of global shipping, Obtaining a set is as easy as visiting your local pop-up Arbaminim vendor, browsing through the stock and paying the somewhat inflated but not totally outrageous price. But it wasn't always so. During the Middle Ages and even into the modern era, as Jewish communities sprouted in Northern Europe and later on in Eastern Europe, obtaining Arbaminim, and particularly the Etrog, became a major ordeal. Shipping methods were rudimentary, and long-distance travel was fraught with dangers and hurdles. Towns with hundreds of Jewish families were often only able to obtain a handful of sets at best, and occasionally there were none. And, unsurprisingly, prices were prohibitive. None of the four species has significant retail value, aside for during this fevered period of demand by Jewish communities across the globe. Only one of them, myrtle, is broadly used for non-Arbaminim-related purposes as a favourite of landscape gardeners or as an ingredient for the fragrant oil productions and traditional medicines, and in Corsica and Sardinia as the base for myrto liqueur, a popular local libation. Historically, Arbamini monopolies often became a source of grinding community friction. In the late 17th century, a particularly notorious battle over the right to sell etrogs in Frankfurt took a nasty turn. The Frankfurt Agricultural Fair was a lucrative regional centre for the Arbamini business, both wholesale and retail. One etrog dealer, Kalman Trucker, from Hanau, held the exclusive right to sell etrogs in Frankfurt, but was summarily banned from selling them by local community leaders in the summer of 1684, and they also wrote to other communities to ensure he couldn't relocate and set up shop elsewhere. Trucker's father was also barred from selling etrogs, whereupon Trucker decided to involve the local Gentile authorities. But it was to no avail and his attempt to thwart the Frankfurt Jewish community leadership via the Gentile powers that be, ultimately failed. Whatever it was that Trucker had done to annoy the Jewish leaders, put him out of business for good, and the Frankfurt Arbaminium trade was temporarily granted to a local Jew called Hertz Buchsboim. Within a couple of years, another Etrog dealer had moved permanently to Frankfurt with his family, and that was that. Unscrupulous practices by Etrog dealers were the stuff of legends. In 1630, a certain Asher from Reichshofen, a small town in France's Rhineland, learned that no Etrogs would be available locally for Sukkot. Despite searching far and wide, he was unable to find one, and consequently he prepared himself for the festival without this essential component of the Arbaminim. But just days before the festival, a Jewish traveller arrived at the synagogue 
with two small etrogs for sale. Without a local rabbi and lacking time to seek expertise elsewhere, Asher turned to his own collection of rabbinic texts and deemed the etrogs kosher. He purchased them at an exorbitant price, thereby enabling the com entire community to celebrate Sukkot with a complete Arbaminim set. However, after the festival, he cut open the two fruits and was dismayed to discover that they were in fact lemons, not etrogs. Etrog growers were equally deceitful. Grafting techniques were widely used to combine lemon trees with etrog trees, resulting in smoother, cleaner fruit. Most rabbinic authorities insisted that such etrogs could not be used for arbaminim. Nevertheless, Rabbi Moshe Isselis of Krakow, the Ramah, he was a venerated source of Ashkenazic custom, was hesitant to ban grafted etrogs outright, as he knew that many people used them when there was nothing else available. What I find most fascinating about the etrog is that unlike almost every other animal or plant mentioned in the Torah, it does not originate in the Middle East. Modern science has established that the earliest etrogs came from the Yunnan province, a large region in southwest China bordering Vietnam, Laos and Myanmar. The etrog then moved westward into India where it was used as a decorative fruit and then, with the Persian conquest of India, it eventually travelled to the Middle East and the Mediterranean along with all citrus fruits now considered native to that area. The first etrogs grown in Eretz Yisrael were cultivated by Persians during the period of the Babylonian exile after the destruction of the first Jerusalem temple. The Persian administrative center for Yehud, as Israel was known, was where Ramat Rachel is today, just south of the site of ancient Jerusalem. Alongside the administrative center was an annex that included an area they called a paradisia, a cultivated garden area whose name is the etymological source for the English word paradise. In 2013, a team of archaeologists from the Tel Aviv University analysed fossilised pollen from the Ramat Rachel Paradisa and published their findings. The data showed that alongside pollen from well-established local plants such as figs, grapes, olives, myrtle and willow was the pollen of the etrog tree, 4,000 miles from its origins in the valleys of Yunnan. Reflecting on this history, I find myself standing at my local Los Angeles Arba Minim vendor, meticulously examining each etrog and lulav before making my selection. The weight of generations of challenges and tales of determination in securing these religious artefacts is palpable. As I choose my set, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude for the ease with which we can now acquire these unique and sacred plant species. Sukkot, heralded by the Talmud as Man Simchatenu, a time of our joy, is made all the more joyous by recognizing our modern-day fortune. In an era where procuring Arbaminim is so simple, we should all be reminded to cherish the comforts we enjoy and remember the tenacity of our ancestors.